Good Stuff, a space for all things food, health, wellness, and everything in between. I'm your host, Scotty Sandlin, and my mission is to shed light on difference makers who are using health as a way to change the world. On the show today, we have Sarah Harker, the founder of the Healing Healthcare Project. While the inspiration behind her company stems from her experiences as a nurse, and overcoming the challenges of burnout in her profession, she is now known for being a resource for others in preventing burnout and living intentionally. I hope you enjoy our conversation and find her insight helpful in whatever profession you are in. All right, Sarah, well, I'm so excited that you're on. Now that's good stuff. You are the founder of Healing Healthcare Project and all about burnout and providing resources for healthcare workers. So I'm really excited to talk to you today, but also just learn more about your story. Thank you so much for having us. I'm excited to talk to you too. Awesome. Well, if you just want to begin with sharing a little bit more about yourself and what got you into the position that you're in today, that would be great. Okay, sure. Um, Like you said, my name is Sarah Harker. I am based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I am, first of all, the mom to three wild boys. (laughs) And I have been a nurse for over 10 years now, almost 11 years. Um, I also grew up in a house full of healthcare providers. And even my grandparents, my grandparents were in healthcare. So I um, just grew up with a really big heart for those providers. And what I found was Uh, as I was nursing on the floor, taking care of my patients, my heart was actually more for taking care of my coworkers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I loved um, that aspect. And that grew into the Healing Healthcare Project. Um, I realized a big need for burnout prevention. I saw a lot of really fabulous nurses and and physicians leaving the hospital setting once they started having families because of the work-life balance being so difficult. And after witnessing it, firsthand from my wonderful parents who have always been fabulous caregivers and kind of put themselves on the back burner. Um, I realized that there was something more that I, I wanted to be a part of the answer for. Yeah, that's so awesome because I feel like I hear a lot of times the benefits of being a nurse and the flexible schedules and the great opportunity it it is to be in a career like healthcare and be able to also have a family. So it's interesting to see your or hear your perspective on that too. Um, What was it about the internal aspect that caught your attention at first between nurses? Was it the scheduling of, you know, work-life balance or something else? Yes. It's funny that you say that my mom is a nurse and has actually, she just retired after a career of 42 years. Wow. And I actually didn't ever want to be a nurse because I saw her schedule. She was in the OR. So it's a little bit of a different uh, life than a typical floor nurse. If you're in that department, there's a lot of call and she was in hospital administration, which meant, um, you know, she had a lot more on her plate. And I actually had a conversation with my best friend's mom, who's a nurse um, when I was in uh, college And she talked to me about the flexible schedule. And I thought, wait, you can be a nurse and in a different way. (laughs) Um, And my, my mom will roll her eyes when she hears this about that one. But um, (laughs) I, I really was interested in that, but more than anything, I love cardiac nursing. That's where my background is, is in cardiac. And that's uh, a big passion of mine. I kind of like that you can figure out what the problem is and they, you know, how to fix it. And um, 
it's also something where a lot of people go into pretty scared because it's your heart and mm-hmm. you have the ability to really make an impact and comforting them and um, getting ready to make the changes that um, that they need to make to make their life better. That's really cool. I always loved being a nurse, but it did get very hard once I had kids. There's a lot of different things on the kind of political administrative side that isn't really something that we work with with the Healing Healthcare Project, but it's something that really affected me as far as scheduling goes and working nights or holidays or, um, you know, you could only be off a certain amount of days a year uh, for sick days. And when you have three little boys and yourself, you know, that's a little bit harder. So um, it definitely got harder with a family to have that work-life balance. Plus you're busy, you know, 12 hours a day running around taking care of everyone but yourself and then you get home. And I found myself feeling like I was just doing the same thing over and over again. Take care of people at work, come home, take care of everybody at home, be dead tired, get up and do it all again the next day. And it got to be a little bit of like a a groundhog day feeling for me that was really honestly distressing. It sounds dramatic, but (laughs) I am, I love living life and being excited and happy and looking forward to what's next. And I was just feeling so just empty. And I didn't have anything left to give. I ended up to, in a space where I didn't feel like I was able to give 100% at work or at home. Mm-hmm. And that's a really hard thing for um, anyone who's in a service industry. I think that almost everyone I know who's in healthcare got into it because they cared about other people. And when you're not able to do that anymore, it's um, it's scary. Right. Yeah, there's so many things we could unpack with all that you just shared. But what was it, I guess, that called you to recognize this burnout in your life? Um, Was it someone else that kind of stepped in or did you just sit back and say, Hey, I'm not as happy as I once was. I'm not as joyful. This has got to change. I think there was a, a day, probably more than one day where I pull up into the parking lot at work and I'm just scrolling through Instagram and crying, <laughs> thinking about, um, I and I know so many other people will be able to relate to this, but it sounds funny if you're not in healthcare, but just scrolling through Instagram, watching the clock for how many minutes I can spend in my car before I have to get to the floor that I can make it to clock in on time. And then also just a big old pity party feeling like, how am I going to get through this day and have, you know, I left when my kids were asleep, I'm going to get home and they're going to be asleep. And it, that was just a really hard thing for me where I realized, um, I don't want to live my life like this. And Mm -hmm. I knew that, yes, there's administrative things with there's weekends, there's holidays, there's things like that. Um, There's a lot of red tape now with charting that takes away from the time you can spend with your patient, but is necessary for other reasons. Um, The research shows us, but I realized there were some things that I could control and Mm -hmm. that I had just kind of given up on because I was so, you know, exhausted, I think. And those, that was the day when I was like, okay, something has to change and I'm in control of my life. This isn't something that's just happening. So I need to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I hear that breakdown allowed for some sort of breakthrough and allowed you to step into what you're doing now. So what was that transition like? How did you step into what you're doing now? Oh, that that's a great way to put it. Breakdown to breakthrough. I like that. Um, Well, what I first did, I think it was almost immediate. I'm the kind of person where like, when I realize something needs to change, I just go for it. It's yeah, (laughs) I'm ready to to make that change then. And I actually, you know, that day, that week, because I think it was more than more than one time that I was feeling like that throughout that week, I just started thinking, okay, what can I do to 
be empowered, where I can show up for my friends on the floor more than I'm working with and show up for my patients more, show up for my boss more um, and make those changes. So I'll tell you one of the first things I did was stop scrolling Instagram when I got to work and I would either read a short devotional or um, listen to a podcast on the way in that was really um, empowering. I would write on a note card <laughs> um, uh, just kind of a mantra for the day and keep it in my pocket in my scrubs. So then when I was going to the Pixis machine to get out my medication, I was reaching in my pocket for the medicine and I'd touch that card and just say it to myself out loud just to get uh, mm-hmm. through and remember why I was doing what I was, what I was doing instead of going through the motions and really just trying to be uh, more mindful in that. Um, I also started working out more and making sure that that was just like a non-negotiable thing. I was getting up and walking before work to have that time for myself Um, but after a while I started implementing different things from which those are parts of our program that we implement today with our clients. And I started sharing that with my coworkers and then I would see a change in them too. And I realized maybe there's something here that, you know, when you're tired and taking care of other people, you don't remember to take care of yourself. And then I started taking my coworkers through kind of the same program and saw so much success that I, um, realized this, it's okay that I always thought I was going to be a nurse and in the hospital setting, but that I was really feeling almost a calling, um, I think is the best way to describe it to another area of healthcare. Yeah. Wow. Well, that is, I love hearing things like that. And especially being able to be passionate about something, but transitioning those passions into another aspect of your life and seeing that evolve is I think, I mean, like what you said, just becoming more empowered and mindful of the things that you are doing on a daily basis is so important and reflects so much to others too. I feel like people can feel your presence more and feel your joy and happiness when you are fulfilled and doing things for your own life as well. When it comes to this burnout and you're working with clients now, and I was kind of thinking about it before this, just in three different pillars. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but just kind of that recognition point of burnout. Maybe it's whether you're recognizing it in someone else's life, recognizing it in your own life. Um, Then the second I was thinking about is prevention and then action. And I don't know exactly. I'd love to hear how Healing Healthcare Project breaks it down. But when I was thinking about it for my own life and just as a recent college grad, and I hear about burnout a lot and um, I'm just trying to, navigate, you know, what I'm going to do that I can be fulfilled and be um, a difference maker in other people's lives, but not fix that burnout. So when it comes to maybe those three phases of life or um, aspects of burnout, uh, what do you think, you know, is most important when you're first recognizing burnout in your life or someone else's? Well, I love this question and I'm glad that you said that because my next question was going to be about you being a recent student. I, um, well, I'll mention first, we have a program that's specific for students and first year graduates. So Mm -hmm. that is where our big passion is. And actually that's where the future of the healing healthcare project is heading. Um, that's our biggest emphasis. We're actually in the middle of writing a a workbook right now for new grads Mm -hmm. and, um, it applies to healthcare specifically, but, uh, we also have, we'll work with any caregivers (laughs) because we know this is a a big deal and something that we found is the most successful is to work with people from the beginning. So to answer your question in a little bit of a roundabout way, I would say that prevention is the biggest thing is, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, before you're to the burnout and uh, Karen Snyder, uh, one of our team members likes to say the crispy 
the crispy burnout people. <laughs> if we can start with prevention and we can start by implementing those healthy um, steps into your routine at the beginning, you're going to be able to recognize those flags when you're starting to get close to um, that burnout phase. So we know this is not a one-stop shop where we're going to fix everything. You know, I'm constantly taking myself through this program over and over again, because different things happen. You're changing in life and you, but you get better at recognizing the red flags before it gets to be too late. If that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think about that just in my daily life, you know, when your gut tells you something or you feel nervous about this or anxious about that. I feel like those are, once you've lived through something, maybe it's, burnout or something else on a similar line, it, it could be that it's preparing you for whatever's in the future, you know, and seeing those flags is really important. What do you think are some of the red flags that you notice when it comes to burnout? Well, let me ask you, what, what do you think, Scotty, what are some of your, your red flags as, especially coming out of school, goodness, you've learned, lived through a lot of pressure um, in a short period of time, I'd love to hear from you kind of what you do to help prevent burnout or what those red flags are in your life. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I, it's something that I, like you said, revisit, I mean, daily. Um, but I think being on with virtual school and having to do everything remotely, um, I went to school in California, but attended it in Tennessee in my house. And every single day I was just waking up at earlier than I should have been waking up to do work. And it'd be the first thing I pulled out in the morning. And it was the last thing I did at night. And I was just becoming, it, that was becoming my rhythm of life is doing work. And I became very burnt out, <laughs> um, but not necessarily about school, just about the day daily tasks and the things that I felt like I was having to do that weren't necessarily requirements. Um, but for me, what I noticed when I was burning out is the pressure that I put on myself, which I don't know if other people would feel that, but it's something that I recognized. I was a perfectionist about a lot of things and um, worrying about this. And, you know, if I misspelled this on an email or um, my parents couldn't tell you all that, I would just have freak outs and not freak outs, but I would, <laughs> I would definitely get really hard on myself. So I would I think as I was experiencing burnout, I was also trying to grasp it with everything that I, I had and was losing that and it was in control of my true self and what I've been called to. So I'd say that's probably one of the, the things for me. I can, I can relate to a lot of that. I, um, I like to say that when one of my biggest red flags is I feel like my shoulders are going up to my ears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can yeah. just feel in my body, like that tension of, I need to take a deep breath and okay, why, why am I feeling this way? What's the real root of the cause? Is it really the, about the five minute worksheet, mm-hmm. <laughs> five minutes till I get to this worksheet or is it, I'm feeling completely out of control because I'm graduating in the middle of a pandemic and life has <laughs> turned over as I know it. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, of places where we can stop and, um, give ourselves some grace. And I think that's been something that a lot of us have learned this year that's needed more than, than ever. Um, you know, most, most of our clients, if not all are usually people like yourself that are, um, already driven on their own and have perfectionistic tendencies, because of course, why would they seek out something to, uh, help better themselves if they weren't concerned with, um, 
you know, being a better person or being able to give your all. And I think that's, that's always a big red flag is that, um, body language stress in areas you wouldn't normally see like snapping at your husband or your, your kids or whatever. So, um, sleep is another big cue, um, having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. So, um, just becoming aware of those, those flags, I think are a really good thing. And then the next step is listening to them. (laughs) You can see them all the time and just keep going through this cycle over and over again. But once you've done it enough and, um, experimented enough to realize, okay, when I feel like my shoulders are to my ears, what happens if I stop and do a five minute guided meditation on headspace? Or if I stop and watch TikTok on my phone of some pranks or something and laugh for three minutes, you know, what is it that you can fill in there to help bring you back down to earth and help you really um, focus back in on what you're meant to do? Yeah. And I feel like I was, that was my next question. What are some of those strategies to overcome those barriers? But I think it it sounds like it's going to be very personalized for each person. Like for me, I would not grab TikTok. I actually throw my phone to the, I mean, I, it's bad because I won't respond to people for days because I just don't want to be on my phone and don't want, I might be on my phone, but I don't want to be consumed by the messaging and corresponding. And I think that's when I realize, oh, I'm not pouring into myself like I should so that I can pour into others. Um, What are some of the other things that you would suggest maybe like when it comes to sleep specifically, that's a tricky one. Um, what would you say are some of the strategies to overcome that? Well, and I want to make sure that I'm not, um, saying TikTok is the answer. Laughter. The key for that was laughing. So maybe it's no, not I totally understand. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just tickling your kids, but, um, yeah, some other things. So we have five main pillars that we work with. We focus on health and vitality, um, your relationships, your cash flow, your contribution and fun. So um, contribution meaning like how you give back, but with boundaries. So that's kind of what uh, we would say to go back to when you're when you're seeing one of those flags, one of those areas kind of running through it in your mind. What's lacking? Is it like you said, your relationships, you're not pouring into other people. Well, then can you look at your calendar and fit in take something off and replace it with a meaningful dinner conversation with a girlfriend and get it on the calendar that minute so that you're taking advantage of, um, you know, really making an action, not just a, I would, I need to do this. Eventually I'll fit it in. Um, or maybe it's your cash flow and you're really stressed about money. What's something that you can do there? Can you go through your subscriptions and take something off or, um, you know, look at a way to, to start, um, managing your, your money in a better way. I don't um, know, maybe skip Starbucks and start making coffee. (laughs) Um, but whatever that is, it's always, it almost always comes back to something simple like that. And we just skip over it, making things so much harder than they have to be Mm -hmm. sometimes. And it really comes back down to these key things of what really matters in your life. Yeah. And it's so simple. Like it's, it really is, but it's just how the world can consume your daily life and take hold of all your, the things that bring you joy too. And so it's so important to recognize that on an early, on the early side. Yeah. And I think one thing is starting with your mornings. I, uh, a friend of mine, Aaron recommended a book to me, um, by Hal Elrod. It's called millionaire morning. I should have looked at that. (laughs) I always call it something different. Miracle morning, millionaire morning, million dollar morning. (laughs) You'll find him. I'll find him everywhere. It's a really short book. Um, and he interviewed a lot of CEOs and realized 
that one thing that they all had in common was the way that they start their mornings. Mm. Um, and he breaks it down. I won't, I won't go too far into the book, but he breaks it down into certain steps that you need to add into your day that that's where you start it. And we um, take from his book, some things with our program and make sure that even if it's, you know, a 10 minute thing that you can add to your morning, it's getting quiet with yourself and making sure that you're filling yourself back up first before you do anything else. I, I like how you were talking about putting distance between yourself and your phone, yeah. um, because that's usually a really good place to start instead of hopping on first thing and scrolling or looking at your calendar for the day. Mm -hmm. It's maybe looking at your calendar the night before you go to bed and realizing, okay, I have the time for six to six fifteen to just sit there alone and maybe you're stretching or um, taking some time to journal, whatever it is that you need for that day to start your day off with something for yourself first. Yeah. And then you'll start seeing those little things add up. I totally agree. And I feel like even when you do those things that you think are sacrificial to your schedule, you end up seeing so much abundant time in ways that you would have never imagined. I feel like God can open up a door for something um, that you didn't even think would happen in your day. And you can just be like, oh, wow. Okay. So that person couldn't come to that meeting that, and I was worrying about, you know, not being able to do that in the morning. And it's amazing how things always fall into place. So these are good things. I need to read that book. Definitely one of the most influential in my life. It, it helped me at the beginning when I was starting to change those things. Yeah. So what about when you are stepping into this transition and changing, maybe you're recognizing that you need to start adapting to your work schedule and changing some things up so that you can be your best self. How do you communicate that? Or how do you suggest to your clients to communicate that to the people that are in their circle, the people that, that are working with them or maybe their family members to get them on board with what they're doing? Well, I'll have, I'll tell you, I think that the first thing that you need to do is focus on communicating that with yourself mm -hmm. <laughs> and making sure that you're really committed to it yourself. I think it's always great to have like an accountability partner, uh, yeah. maybe one person in your life. that's like your best friend that you can say, you know, I'm making these changes. Remind me when I'm <laughs> having my next haircut freak out to go back to this. Um, but I think the biggest thing you can do is make it happen yourself. I think that's another thing that kind of gets in the way is, well, what will my team think? What will my boss think? What will my husband think? Well, for me, my husband's asleep when I'm doing my time for myself. So <laughs> yeah. he doesn't even know about it. <laughs> and I think that's when it's easiest is at the beginning of your day, when you're making it a part of your routine, you're not telling somebody to remind you to shower. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're not getting their permission to add showering into your life. So I don't think it's really something necessarily that even needs to be shared with other people, unless you're the kind of person that thinks I'm going to stop doing it. But I think when you have that wake up call of this is so important, it needs to be as important as brushing my teeth in the morning, that that's when you know you're ready for the change. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good, that's a good point. Now, what about someone, this just came to mind. I feel like my generation and generations around my age are looking towards uh, careers or, you know, professional life that allows them to be to change and to go from one thing to the next, to the next. And I think that burnout could be used as a way to get around one barrier or like go from one thing to the next. Maybe it's used as an excuse to go to your next career path or do your next thing. Do you ever see that or recognize maybe you're someone that you're working with? Like, oh, you actually aren't really experiencing burnout yet, but 
and that's the people that we work with the most are the people who aren't burnout yet, but they're high performers that are realizing I'm really tired and I'm nearing the point of burnout. That's where we like to work the most is with Mm -hmm. the prevention piece. Um, Certainly this year with healthcare, we've seen a lot more of the latter, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would say a lot of the time, especially this year, people have really used that burnout as a wake up call. Mm -hmm. I think there's different reasons that you can come to burnout. And one of the biggest ones that I see is what you're hinting at is being in the wrong place and knowing that you need to be in a career where you're fulfilled and where you're able to help add and give back to um, the world and what you're put here for. So mm-hmm. I think um, I'm thinking of one specific client that we have right now who's in the middle of changing her entire career. She actually just put in her, her notice at her job and is mm-hmm. switching to start her own business. And that's a pretty common thing that we see is someone who's been stuck in a job that they thought was secure or stable and they just stuck with it for that reason. And then they realize, you know, this can't last forever. This is weighing on my health. Um, especially with healthcare before COVID, we saw studies that said that 70% of people wondered if their career affected their health in a negative way in the hospital yeah. setting. That was pre-COVID numbers. So you can imagine what they're where they are now um, after surviving, well, still being in the middle of a pandemic. And I think that that is for sure for sure, something that we see is maybe not, not an excuse, maybe like a, um, pushing off point (laughs) to something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are some of those alternative habits that people can step into and use in their daily life? Even maybe if they're not in the health field, I know maybe some of the people that listen to this might not have any relationship to healthcare or caregiving, but, um, I think it can overlap in so many ways. What are your suggestions for that? Yeah, for sure. Our um, program, while we are focused on healthcare, it applies to everyone. Like you Mm -hmm. said, anyone who is managing more than one thing in one area of their life, which is basically everybody. So I think just starting with your morning is the easiest place to start. Um, Recognizing the triggers that um, are red flags that pop up to show you, I need to slow down a minute. Um, I think we just get almost afraid to be mindful because of what that could entail. So making sure that you're having that space to be quiet, I think is a really good place to start. Um, you know, you hear a lot about yoga and, and guided meditation and sound baths. Now it's not hard to find a class like that to just experiment. And that's something, a word that you'll hear a lot at the Healing Healthcare Project um, is experiment. We get so so fixated on if I make a choice, I'm stuck with it forever, but that's not really the case. You know, you can mix up your routine and try, I don't know, Pilates in the morning for a week and see if you like it or not, and then don't do it the next week. So I think there's um, really getting curious and starting to experiment with what it is that helps calm you and bring you back to that slowness is a really great place to start, no matter what your field is. Yeah. Those are great points. I love doing that just for my own health and fitness journey too. Just, you know, finding, I love to run, but finding maybe a yoga class and doing the unlimited week pass or something like that, just to try something new. Um, fun is a, a big part of what we talk about. And I thought that was going to be our, so I guess I should tell you a little bit more about our program, but it, it's a six week program that we take people through. And each week is uh, focused on one of those pillars and I thought our fun week would be the easiest one. It is by far the hardest. I thought cash flow was going to be the hardest. And usually people are pretty excited to start um, making changes there. But fun is almost always the hardest. And you would not believe the amount of times I hear people say like, well, like 
how do I have fun? Yeah. So yeah. have you read um, Annie F. Down's book? That sounds fun. No. Okay. You'll have to get, but it's really good. And she's fun to listen to. She has a podcast and really encouraging and inspiring to just get, get you thinking about fun in new ways. And that's something hard for me. I, um, that's what I've spent this summer trying to kind of do. I, it's like, wow, I feel like I haven't had fun in like 10 years, which is not normal for college students, but it's, it's crazy when fun gets away from your daily habits. So um, what are you doing now? What's going on in your life now? That's fun. Where are you adding that? I love doing more spontaneous things. That's what I'm trying to do as fun because I have been so regimented about my schedule. Um, I like thinking about, oh, I'll have this window and whatever ends up like the other day, one of my friends texted me. He was like, oh, can you go to lunch? And I was like, absolutely. Yes. I'll be there in five minutes. And it was just like, that was so fun. Cause I didn't have it scheduled. And, um, I have that freedom right now to do that. Thankfully I'm living with my parents and they're encouraging me to take that time to really enjoy where I am and relax for a little bit, um, which is weird, but it's been, yeah, it has been fun. And, um, you know, just, that's so awesome. I know. Um, and I know I'm not the only one here, but with COVID during quarantine, I think I rediscovered a lot of things that I didn't know that I enjoyed. Um, my favorite thing to use as an explanation is a little bit silly, but I've always said that I hate puzzles and I hate games. And so I just never play them. Like I would just either. <laughs> be the like drink refiller and like just entertain the group and have fun with them, but never play. And during quarantine, my husband and I realized that we like really like doing puzzles, yeah. like, old, uh-huh. like a little old couple or something, but <laughs> it was a really funny scenario that just really taught me a big lesson. And now I'll think anytime I say no to something that I think I'm not going to like, I'm like, whoop, maybe no, I'll do it. Anytime yeah. I say no, now I change it to yes, because I'm saying, you know, I don't know. I've never done it before. I did. We went to a water park just recently with our kids and I've never gone on a water slide because I thought I wasn't a water slide person. And my husband asked me if I wanted to go and I was like, yeah, let's do it. And turns out I still don't like water slides, but yeah. I know now. <laughs> but yeah, it's so good to just put yourself out there and adventure a little bit. I feel like it can unleash, you know, someone, something my mom and I, we've talked a little bit about and someone else has mentioned multiple times to me is like returning to that childlike sense of wonder and fun. And it is amazing to watch children play and, um, just sometimes I'll babysit and just watch them, like look around at things. And I'm like, Oh, I want to be like that. (laughs) I would tell you, Scotty, if you are our client to make a non-negotiable two hours in your week where it is not planned and it's a spontaneous fun thing you've never done before as an experiment (laughs) and see, see where that leads. I know two hours probably sounds like a lot, but just in August, Find two hours. It doesn't have to be all together. It could be four 30 minutes or whatever, but to do something you've never done before, even if it's like going to a different ice cream store or something, but just something small and kind of keep track of that and see how you're feeling before and after yeah. and see if it makes a difference. That, that's a really good suggestion. I'll do it. What would be your suggestion to others listening um, when they're thinking and tossing this idea of burnout up in the air? Maybe it's, they haven't yet recognized it in their life or maybe in someone else's life, but want to take what we've talked about and use it for good. What would you suggest to them? Well, um, you said a couple of times in someone else, recognizing it in someone else's life. So I want to make sure I touch on that too. Um, Because one thing that we found 
big time with burnout is it has to be yours for there to be a change made, right? You can't make someone see it. They have to come to it on their own. And one of the biggest ways that you can help someone come to that on their own when you're seeing it in their life, of course, having a conversation of, it seems like you're not yourself. It seems like maybe you aren't are having a hard time right now. Having those real conversations are always important, but modeling for them in your life, how mm-hmm. you're handling it and how you're managing your burnout prevention is the best thing you can do for the people around you. Um, the, the number one way to start, I would say, is go through those pillars that we talked about and think about which one of those stands out as being the most stressful in your life right now or where you're feeling the most need and um, maybe even loneliness and mm-hmm. figure out what what is just one simple change that you can make. It doesn't have to be a big life change like changing your career, but you know, what's one thing you can do differently this week to add to that? Maybe it's simply drinking more water (laughs) and taking care of yourself that way. Because believe it or not, a lot of people, especially in healthcare, don't drink a lot of water because they don't actually take bathroom breaks when they're at work because they're taking care of other people more. So that's a pretty big, uh, a big dramatic sign of you're taking care of other people more than yourself too much. But you know, just pick one, one thing to try and experiment with and, and see how that affects your life. Yeah. Well, those are really good suggestions. Okay. I know you've listened to some of the podcasts before, but I'm going to do 60 seconds with Scotty, a few questions, and we'll see what you have to say. Ready? Okay. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, well, right now I've been really wanting to go to Spain. It's probably the number one. Yeah. I've been there. It's, it's great. Um, if you had one day left on this great earth, what would you do? I just go to the pool with my kids. Oh, fun. <laughs> Something simple. Okay. If you could dedicate your life to making the difference in someone else's life, how would you do it? I think I'd do what I'm doing right now. <laughs> awesome. That's so good to hear. And then last but not least, what is your favorite meal? Oh, wow. My favorite meal. We're all about food here. <laughs> Oh yeah. My favorite meal. That's, that shouldn't be as hard as it is to answer. It's actually, can I pick a restaurant or does it have to be? Sure. (laughs) There's a restaurant at my, near my parents in Illinois called Bella Milano that I love their um, chicken Milano. (laughs) Yum. Awesome. Or tacos. Always tacos. All right. Tacos are always a go-to. Yeah. Yeah. Super easy. Uh, Well, Sarah, it's been so good talking to you. Uh, I've loved learning from you and changing even my mindset about burnout and the way I even talk about it has been really cool. And I hope that some of the people that listen to this kind of take those strategies and the pillars and use them in their own life. Um, So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having us. And if anyone has any questions or uh, wants to talk more, we're always active on Instagram and that's a good place to find us. Awesome. Yeah. I'll link everything in our show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Now that's good stuff. I am definitely walking away with many good things to think about from Sarah and I's conversation. And I hope you are as well. I found Sarah such a nurturing voice of reason for a topic that I think can be pretty hard to talk about. So if you are interested in talking with Sarah anymore, um, you can schedule a strategy call with her, join one of her burnout prevention programs, 
or look for a few more wellness tips and tricks on her resource site, on her website, healinghealthcareproject.com or on her Instagram at healinghealthcareproject. Thanks for joining today's episode. Now go make some good things happen.